Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning, everyone. That, uh, <laughs> that worship set, there's sometimes in worship where I mean, it was what Nate led us into, just the holiness, the weight of God, so strong. And in those moments, at least for me, I feel the reality of the John 10 verse where Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing without the empowering grace of Jesus. Like, we are so dependent on Jesus most of the world doesn't realize that. They take breaths, their heart beats, and they don't realize that there is a beautiful God in heaven who is sustaining every single breath, every single heartbeat. He's upholding the universe by the word of his power. <laughs> every tree, every cloud, every heartbeat, every cell in your body, he is speaking into existence every single moment. So we feel in worship, it's a, it's a sobering, humbling reality, how truly dependent we are on Jesus, the Son of God. And then in that place, at the same time that we feel that we can do nothing, we know that when he fills us and empowers us, we can do everything. Without him, we are nothing, but with him, in a very real way, we are everything to the Father, to the Son, the Spirit, and the world that needs us. So just know you are everything to God. You're everything that the world needs because you have the creator of the universe living inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. So that's my intro. It wasn't in my notes, but I just feel it. I had to communicate what I was feeling in my heart. So let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. The title of today's message is up on the screen there. It's serving God through fasting and prayer. Serving God through fasting and prayer. I'm convinced, especially as a father now of little ones, that every child of God deep down has a genuine desire to serve and please God with their lives. Just like every child has some inherent desire to serve and please their earthly parents. We can see this from a very early age with Lane and Briggs. Our little ones. Maple is a newborn. She's still just all about milk right now. Not really trying to please us too much. <laughs> but Lane and Briggs, they want to do the things that make us happy and help us. Well, as a pastor of this church, and because God has given me a deep love and desire for your greatness in his eyes, I want to shine some light on a very powerful and practical way that we can meet this deep childlike longing to serve and please the heart of God. As you may have guessed it from the title, we have the ability to serve God through a lifestyle of fasting, skipping meals, and prayer. We see this truth borne out in the life of Anna in Luke chapter 2, Luke 2, 36 and 37. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, and this woman was an 84-year-old widow. 
who did not depart from the temple, but served God. There it is. She served God with fastings and prayer, night and day, continually. Obviously, she ate sometimes, but she had a lifestyle of skipping meals in order to connect to the heart of God through prayer in the temple. I could easily draw out 10 powerful lessons from Anna's life, but we're only going to focus on that one phrase at the end of verse 37. Anna served God with fastings, by foregoing food often, by purposefully skipping meals to focus on prayer. Ultimately, at the core level, Anna served God by living a lifestyle of consistently denying her flesh and therefore the seen realm. She denied the seen realm, not the reality of it, but the prime importance of it, so that she could instead focus more intently on the Spirit of God and the dynamics of the unseen realm, which the Bible says is more important than the seen realm. This one truth that we can serve the heart of God through fasting, this one truth opens up a wide range of implications for our Christian life. No matter the season, no matter the outward environment, good or bad, we are always, we always have the ability to intentionally set our hearts and schedules to skip meals and pray with focus. And in doing this, we are practically serving and blessing and pleasing the heart of God. We're making him happy as we do this. And that's all we want to do as children of God if we get down to the core level. Now this morning, we're going to highlight three different modes of biblical fasting that are all extremely powerful and beneficial. Each of these three approaches to fasting are effective in moving God's heart, releasing grace to our own lives, and eventually they have the power, the atomic spiritual power, to bring salvation, healing, and deliverance to the hearts and lives of the people and the entire regions around us. That's what fasting can do. These three Core motivations to fasting all produce wonderful and different results as each one has a different focus to begin with. You'll see up on the screen these concentric circles of the three focuses of fasting that we're going to look at this morning. These three approaches. First is the bridegroom fast right there in the middle. <laughs> Second is the belief fast going a little bit out. And then third is the breakthrough fast. So we're going to look at the bridegroom fast, the belief fast, and the breakthrough fast. What's really cool about these three fasting motivations, as we can see from the graphic, is there is a simple, logical progression in the order that they are listed. The focus, size, and scope of each of these fasts starts simple and small and then grows in size to eventually encompass thousands if not millions of people in our prayers in the breakthrough for region fasts. The first one, the bridegroom fast, seeks to grow in intimacy with Jesus and to increase our heart's desire for his return, his second coming. It's a fasting motivation that's just focused on us and Jesus. It's really simple. We can all start there, us and Jesus. We always have that, even if we're locked up in a persecuted prison in underground China. We can always have us and Jesus. We can always do the bridegroom fast. The belief fast focuses, the second one, it focuses on starving out unbelief in our hearts 
so that we can conquer personal sin and then in turn conquer the sin and sickness in the people around us as we pray for them with increased faith and boldness and therefore see increased effectiveness and results from our ministry to others. And third and lastly, the breakthrough fast seeks for spiritual awakening and revival for an entire geographical region. As we voluntarily adopt, it's all about adoption, the spirit of adoption, we voluntarily adopt in the breakthrough fast thousands and even millions of people, most of whom will never meet or see face to face. We adopt them as we contend in believing prayer for mass repentance to be poured out from on high, mass salvations, and generally a massive Holy Spirit outpouring to touch large population groups. We have that power through fasting and prayer. These are the three modes of fasting that hold the keys. As someone who loves you guys, and as a pastor, I want to give you keys this morning. These three modes of fasting hold the keys to deeper intimacy, deeper purity and effectiveness, and that far-reaching eternal impact on many people. Y'all ready to jump in? Let's look at them. All right, first one's the bridegroom fast. This is the necessary starting point for our conversation on fasting today, as Jesus himself, who is perfect theology, Jesus himself is perfect theology, He promised us that this type of fasting would be practiced by his disciples after he was taken up to heaven in the ascension and therefore no longer present in the flesh. I didn't talk to Jesus face to face this morning in the the flesh. I would have loved to. But that's not the reality for us for the last 2,000 years. It's not the reality for us, and Jesus knew that. He knew that, but he didn't leave us without a remedy to close that gap. Let's look at it in Matthew 9, 14 and 15. Verses will be up on the screen. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn, and by implication fast, as long as the bridegroom is with them in the flesh face to face? It wasn't time. In Jesus' first coming, when he was face to face, flesh to flesh with his disciples, it wasn't time to fast because the bridegroom was there in person. They could party in a holy way and release the kingdom through their lives. He said, but the days will come, and we're in those days right now. The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them physically, going to heaven. And then, in those days, they will fast. They will fast in those days when he's up in heaven, not flesh to flesh, face to face. Jesus here in Matthew 9 prophesied an indefinite time of separation in the flesh from his friends, his followers, you and me. And I'm looking at a lot of friends of Jesus in the room right now. Everyone just say that over your own heart. I am a friend of Jesus. I am a friend of the bridegroom. He loves hanging out with me. He loves talking to me. He loves hearing me. Like I said, Jesus did not leave us without a remedy, without a solution to this gap. 
the last phrase of verse 15 holds the pivotal key here to experiencing Jesus more closely. And it's through the fast of the bridegroom. Jesus here gave us the paramount and core motivation that would drive the fasts of his genuine lovers, his people. His people would fast to close the gap between their hearts on earth and his heart in heaven. That's the purpose of the fast, to close the gap between our hearts and his heart in the spirit. Jesus knew that because we wouldn't be able to see him face to face in the flesh yet, he knew that this separation would be painful. Let's be honest, it's painful not to see him face to face and to see more bad news on the internet or on TV than actually have a conversation face to face with Jesus. It's painful. But he knew that this pain would necessarily draw out a desperate desire to experience him nearer and nearer. And this desire would compel us as his lovers to take drastic measures in order to catch clearer glimpses of his beauty and to feel more tangible touches of his presence in our lives. Overall, Nate prayed this morning about fasting as a gift. Overall, the bridegroom fast is a gift to us lovers of Jesus. It's a gift that enables us to feel him more. It's a gift that helps us to peel back the layers of the onion of our own hardness and dullness of heart to hear his beautiful voice more clearly. It's a gift that empowers us to push back and push past the distractions of the flesh in order to draw nearer to him in the spirit. And what's the result of a lifestyle of bridegroom fasting? What's the result? It's, the result is this, that we will begin to crave. That's a verse in the Bible People crave and long for the return of Jesus more than they desire anything else, more than they desire their next promotion at work, more than they desire the upgrade in the car or the house. They desire, they crave, they long for the second coming of Jesus more than they crave and long for anything else. That's the result of the bridegroom fast. And believe it or not, this is the biggest benefit of the bridegroom fast. This fast compels us to reorient everything in our lives around what Jesus is going to feel about us and what he's going to say about us when he splits the sky and comes back. We reorient everything in our lives around those two realities. How's he gonna feel about me on that day? And what's he gonna say about my life choices? That's what the bridegroom fast does. We get spiritually violent in order to make the most out of this short window of time we have before he returns. You know what? Our life will begin to look more and more wise in heaven's eyes. <laughs> Our life choices will begin to make more and more sense in light of eternity as we engage in this fast. And then ultimately, this, this fact blows my mind. Out of so many things in the Bible that blow my mind, this might be near the top, like top three, this fact. After a lifestyle of bridegroom fasting, loving, and just missing him and crying out for him to come home, our seemingly little, insignificant, boring lives will fulfill this startling truth in 2 Peter chapter 3. You know what, guys? Vulnerability, this is my ultimate goal in, in life every single day, what I'm about to say. This is what motivates me 
to go full speed after Jesus and his kingdom. This one truth. It's to literally speed up and hasten the day of Jesus' physical return to planet Earth. To move forward on the calendar, the set day that the Father has in his heart for Jesus' return. How can I say this? It's because the Bible says it. 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12. Peter says this, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, you know everything you see out there is going to be burning on fire when Jesus comes back? Your beautiful home, your beautiful car, the business, the, the workplace, all the elements, every stone, every tree, every piece of metal, even all the crypto. He's going to burn up all the computers. He is. Everything will be salted by fire. Knowing this, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Look, here it is, looking for and hastening the day of God, the coming of the day of God. Looking for and hastening, speeding up the timetable of the return of God in the flesh. Because of which, because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements of the earth will melt with fervent heat. This verse informs us that we actually have the ability with our boring lives, we have the ability to move forward on God's calendar, the literal date of Jesus' second coming. Imagine your life having this kind of impact on the heart of God. <laughs> Talk about an impact on the heart of God. Your life of longing would cause the eternal Father in heaven to move up his son's wedding date. He's going to have to change the invitations for his son's wedding date. Because Lindsay Shibe is crying out for him to come home and craving his appearing. Emily Babbins crying out and craving for Jesus to come home. I got to move up that wedding day. That's what the Father does in heaven to our lives. Because we've rapidly matured in love to the point that we're ahead of the anticipated schedule. Because we just love him so much. Just imagine your life doing that to the heart and calendar of God in heaven. <laughs> Staggering, right? Does that shock y'all? Yeah. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Praise God. To those, here it is, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Jesus is only coming back to a people who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, how do we cultivate and grow an eager waiting and a desperate desire for his appearing? The bridegroom fast. <laughs> you got it, Stephen. The bridegroom fast is one of the most intense and catalytic spiritual exercises that we can engage in at the heart level. It's like P90X or CrossFit, like the Murph exercise. It's intense and catalytic as a spiritual exercise. So let's give it a try. Let's seek for our initial and default fasting motivation to be what we've just talked about. Fasting simply just to draw nearer to him, to talk to him more, just to grow in friendship and love with him. Fasting for that, first and foremost. It's simple, yes, but it's earth-shatteringly powerful to God's heart and your own heart. We'll move now to the second mode of fasting, belief fasting. The motivation behind this second approach to fasting is apparent in the name. This is fasting to build belief, faith, 
and confidence in God's goodness, word, and promises. This is fasting that starves out. Like you don't eat, so you're hungry, you feel like you're starving. That actually is doing something in your soul. (laughs) It's starving out unbelief in our own hearts. So whenever you feel the hunger pains, just know the demons are being starved out. The demon of unbelief is being starved out of your innermost life. And sin is being starved out of your innermost life. Unbelief is an evil poison that is often the root cause of so many of our personal issues and so much of our ineffectiveness in seeing God's kingdom advance around us. We need to exercise A good old exorcism. We need to exercise and get rid of any shred or remnant of unbelief that might have a stronghold in our hearts and minds. I'm looking at a lot of believers, but if we're honest, there are still measures of unbelief in our heart, and that's why we don't obey 100% of the time. I'm speaking for myself. That's why this type of fasting is so key to seeing personal victory over sin and then in turn seeing our neighbor set free from demonic oppression and physical infirmities through our hands. This type of fasting, guys, actually works. It actually builds faith because in the fast, we are compelled, in all fasts, but specifically in this fast, we are compelled to connect our heart by faith to the reality of the unseen realm as we forego the fleshly seen realm of food and pleasure. It forces faith. Fasting compels us to greater faith. Now the first benefit that comes out of fasting for belief and faith to grow is really personal to us. We will find it easier to conquer personal sin. We'll find it easier to conquer those shortcomings, those things that catch us up and cause us to stumble. 1 Peter 4.9 Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has willfully suffered in the flesh, catch this, he who has suffered in the flesh for righteousness' sake has ceased from sin. He who has suffered in the flesh purposefully for God's sake, sin doesn't make sense to him anymore. He has ceased from sin. When we willfully suffer for righteousness' sake in the flesh through the discipline of fasting, the temptations towards sin lose their pull and their luster. Their voices get quieter. Sin makes a lot less sense when we choose to discipline, and as David said, chasten our souls through fasting. David chastened his soul. He beat it into submission through fasting. So sin was less tempting for the one who fasts. In fasting for faith, we choose to mute the influence of the flesh's voice, and instead we elevate the awareness and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our thinking. As you can guess, this produces amazing results. Our faith and confidence in the fact that God is actually better than that sin, X, Y, and Z, our faith in that reality that God is better than sin, it exponentially rises as we do this. You know what? Nate even alluded to it. This type of fasting causes our spiritual taste buds to become more sensitized. Imagine that. Your spiritual taste buds becoming more sensitized to the divine nature and blessings that are available to us 24-7. 
those divine blessings that we are often dulled to the reality of. Fasting, guys, crucifies that dullness and enables us to taste and see of the true pleasures of God better. Because again, we purposefully forego the lesser pleasures of food that perish in order to partake of the better and eternal and lasting joys that only come in the Holy Spirit. Overall, this fasting builds us up. We are built up in our most holy faith in this kind of fasting to become belief-saturated overcomers. We become belief-saturated overcomers, and therefore, we find it easier to be a clean vessel with no areas of compromise. But it doesn't just stop with us. From this place of personal victory and wholeness, we then position ourselves to be a greater blessing to the people around us who are being tormented by demonic oppression and chronic illnesses. And that leads us to the second benefit of the belief fast, which is that we will possess greater belief and faith in the miraculous power of Jesus. This miraculous power that will be able to flow through our hearts and hands unhindered to others with more consistency and more frequency because we just simply believe more. Faith is so necessary to seeing the miraculous. Pulling on the analogy that my dad used last week, our batting average will go up as we step up to the plate with more confidence to pray for sick people and help to set the captives free from demonic oppression. Let's look at this famous story from the life of Jesus and his disciples as a prime example, a story you're probably familiar with. Matthew 17, it'll be up on the screen. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. The spirit behind this epilepsy would throw him into live fires and throw him into the water to try to drown him. That's how mean the devil is. He was trying to burn this kid and drown this kid through epilepsy, through a natural condition. So evil, right? So I brought him to your disciples, Jesus, but they could not cure him. Who's ever been there? You couldn't cure the person who needed healing. Oh, yeah, all the time. I hate it. <laughs> could not cure him. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. People say Jesus was nice. He was kind. He was always kind to people. Always kind. How do you reckon this verse? He was loving, but he spoke the truth, sometimes in a savage way. Sometimes we need to get slapped in the face with the truth in order to change, not be coddled in our unbelief. So what did Jesus do? He said, bring him here to me. Verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the demon. <laughs> he saw that it was a spiritual issue, not a physical issue. He rebuked that evil spirit that was causing the epilepsy. And it came out of him. Home run for Jesus. And the child was cured from that very hour. <laughs> I think forever. When Jesus heals someone, it's forever. 
It was cured forever, praise God. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Basically, why did we strike out? Why did we miss the ball? Why did we fail? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, that evil poison of unbelief in your hearts. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, this faith of a mustard seed is defined as a gift of faith. And in that moment that you receive a gift of faith to do the miraculous, you receive the very faith of God, the very faith of Jesus. It's the very quality and intensity of the faith of God, and that's why miracles happen. It's a gift of faith. But how do we position ourselves to receive gifts of faith, to receive those mustard seeds, to say to the mountain of epilepsy, go and never come back? He says right here, verse 21, this kind, what kind? I think it's the kind of demon, and it's the kind of unbelief that was remaining in their hearts. This kind of demon and unbelief does not go out of your heart or this boy except through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and skipping meals so that your belief could grow. That demon will bow to the name of Jesus because your confidence and the unbelief in your heart has been rooted out so you are full of confidence in the very faith of God and you see the miraculous. This is the very point, guys, that inspired me to make this whole message today. My mom this summer expressed a desire to see more results appear as we pray for people with sicknesses. Higher batting averages to see demonic oppressions leave and people be restored with a sound mind. After I heard my mom's simple desire in June, I immediately heard in my spirit a remedy to that desire. Fast. Fast. <laughs> Fast for faith. Fast to see more results. Fast to see the unbelief in your own heart cast out. Fast to see more home runs hit for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Mom, wherever you're at. She might be with my little girl for having that desire and prompting me to fast again. Now, what is a home run in the kingdom? A home run is what the Bible defines as a home run. It's people saved, brought from darkness to light in the kingdom of God. It's people healed of physical infirmities, pain leaving. And it's people set free from demons. Those three are what count on the heavenly scoreboard forever. And all of them are infused with the love of God. And that's why they count forever. Saved, healed, delivered. That's what counts on the scoreboard of heaven forever through your life. Guys, this is a truly noble and godly motivation to fast. Because when we boil this belief, fast motivation down to its core level, what we are really seeking for here is to love to love our neighbor at a deeper and more effective level. That's the motivation behind this fast. It's love. Nothing really says I love you toward another person quite like skipping meals to pray for them, to be set free from debilitating pain or crippling anxiety. This screams I love you. My dad has loved me in a lot of ways through my 33 years, incredible practical ways he's loved me, provided for me never given up on me, but the most 
loved I've ever felt from my dad, the most freedom I've ever felt through my dad's life is when he prayed for demons to leave me, when he visited me in the hospital, when I didn't know who I was because of an alcohol addiction. No hope for the future. He came in and told those demons to leave. And they left. The doctors didn't know when I was going to get out. The next day, pretty sure the next day I get out because I start reading the Bible, reading the words in red. That's love. Someone with no hope, hopelessly addicted, doesn't even know what reality is, restored to a sound mind. Because my dad had faith for demons to leave me, and they left. And now I have a family with three kids. But if my dad didn't love me in that way, I don't know where I'd be. Probably be dead. For real. This belief fast is true kingdom biblical love expressed. Why? Because this is how Jesus loved people when he was on the earth. He loved people by giving them hope for eternal life. He loved people by healing them of their physical pains. He loved people by giving them heavenly peace and heavenly joy as he freed them from tormenting spirits, as I just shared a personal example of, and he restored a sound mind to them. This is how Jesus loved, and it's how we should love too. So let us fast for belief, knowing it's a noble pursuit in God's eyes. Even a little story, years ago I was fasting, and I was still fasting at this point in the day. I think it was like 5 o'clock. I went to Great Clips to get my hair cut, and they were pl- I was waiting to get in the chair, but they started playing this like really secular bad music, and it was grieving my spirit. <laughs> and I was really sensitive because I was fasting. So I stepped outside the Great Clips on the sidewalk to wait without hearing that music, and this homeless man came up to me and asked for food. I didn't have any food on me, but I had money. So I went to the juice land next door, got him a gift card, Gave him the gift card to have a healthy meal from Juiceland. I noticed that his hand was like crippled and it looked mangled. And so I'm like, this guy can't afford a doctor. <laughs> he has no health care. I'm just going to go for it. My, I was fasting, so I was sensitive to the spirit. And I was full of more faith than if I wouldn't have been fasting. I know it. So I asked him if I could pray for his hand. And it looked really bad. I, I laid my hand on his hand. And I could feel the bones going back into place under my hand. And his hand was restored, literally. His hand was healed. The bones in his hand were miraculously healed. And I looked into his eyes, and I could see these fiery blue eyes of love looking at me. Homeless people don't have a lot of light in their eyes usually. So what happened through that healing? I believe he got filled again with the Holy Spirit. If he was a believer before, something happened. He was delivered too because I saw the very eyes of Jesus it felt like going through that homeless man to me. That's what happens, guys, when we fast for belief. Those kind of results, it's real. I want to see them more often. I'm sad that that testimony was years ago and not yesterday. Last mode of fasting, breakthrough fasting. (laughs) As we continue our outward progression, remember the concentric circles, our outward progression through the modes of fasting, we will look now at the last approach, breakthrough fasting. And just a disclaimer, guys, this last type of fasting is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Choosing a lifestyle of breakthrough fasting will thrust you 
into the very hinge points of history in our day. Breakthrough fasting will thrust you into the collisions, collision points in the spirit between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Saying it another way, this type of fasting places you on the front lines, the very tip of the spear for what God is doing in the earth in your ge- geographical region and generation. This is why it's so intense and the spiritual warfare in this mode of fasting can be very real. But the results are worth it. The warfare truly is worth it in this mode of fasting and prayer. Your life in this mode of fasting will become a vessel of far-reaching supernatural power and blessing with region-shaking impact in the spirit. Your seemingly weak days of fasting and prayer where all you can think about is that time where you break your fast, all that weakness, those days will become the change agents that transfer whole groups of people from the kingdom of darkness and bondage into the kingdom of light and freedom in Christ. Whole groups of people, large swaths of populations. Simply put, I like that word swaths. So <laughs> My dad and I have a joke. There's a meteorologist on a certain news channel, and she says swath a lot when she's talking about the weather. It's a great word. But simply put, breakthrough fasting is the fasting that changes history. Breakthrough fasting carries with it, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, it carries with it the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. As we voluntarily choose to adopt tens of thousands of people into our hearts, like I said earlier, most of whom we'll never meet or see face to face until maybe heaven. And they're like, you prayed for me, and God just sovereignly touched me. And I never met you, but your prayers are what God answered for me five miles away down the road when I was suicidal and had the gun to my throat. Your prayers delivered me. That's what can really happen with regional breakthrough fasting. We adopt them with the spirit of adoption, the very heart of the Father, through this focus of fasting and prayer for a certain geographical radius, whether that be the 55,000 people that make up the Lake Travis region. That's how many people are in the confines of the Lake Travis Independent School District, 55,000 people. Or, according to your faith, according to the faith and the burden and the region and the radius that God gives you, maybe the 2.5 million people that inhabit the greater Austin area or some other region or people group in a foreign nation that God has burdened you with. We adopt these large groups of people by standing in the gap between them and God. We cry out day and night in the gap, that's what intercession is, for God to release massive mercy on them, massive repentance, massive salvation, and just generally massive blessings from that Father's hand in heaven. In closer detail, the breakthrough fast looks like consistently asking Jesus to break through, it's in the name, to break through and pour out his spirit into every square inch of every core institution that lies within the geographical confines of your delegated region. 
Does that make sense? We ask Jesus to invade and obliterate the demonic veil of darkness that may cover homes, neighborhoods, the University of Texas, churches, Lake Travis High School, businesses, and governmental buildings like that state capitol. We ask him to invade and obliterate the demonic veil of darkness and release light and salvation. That's what we do in breakthrough fasting. You see why it's intense? <laughs> now, what are the practical results of this type of prayer and fasting? We're going to see. Get your hopes up. We're going to see the massive end-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. We're going to see it in our day. Get your hopes up for that. Get your hopes up for thousands and thousands swept up into the kingdom in one day, like the book of Acts, but even better and bigger. Mass deliverance, mass healings, and generally just massive blessings left from the Father's hands. And ultimately, you know what the ultimate result of this? Breakthrough fasting for a region? At the end of the age, right before Jesus comes back, a region that experiences lasting, true, biblical revival will be a geographical area that will set itself up to be a region of refuge. A region of refuge in the end times. An end time Goshen. An end time Goshen from the book of Exodus, look it up. Where God greatly spares the people and the physical land from the intensity of his end time judgments that he will be pouring out on the ungodly across the whole face of the earth. Marissa, you can come up. I had a dream one time that I was in this national board meeting in this dream with water experts, fresh water experts that were meeting and they were looking at a map of the United States and they were pointing to different areas saying they have no fresh water. Their water is dried up or their water is polluted by like a nuclear bomb or what have you. I'm sitting in the meeting like, why am I in a meeting with national water experts? The leader of the meeting, he's looking all across the nation saying, there's no water here. They're dying of thirst here. He turns to me. He says, but you, you guys in Lakeway, there are two unpolluted springs, so you guys will be safe. And then the presence of God filled, and filled me, and I woke up. I said, Lord, will you, the Lord is inviting me. Will you literally believe me? that I'll provide fresh water for the people of your region because you, you're in this room praying for my blessing to fall on people you'll never meet. That's breakthrough fasting for a reason. That's the end of the story for those people who take it seriously for their regions in the earth. We're going to look at one example as we close here breakthrough fasting in the Bible that affected large amounts of people. Just know we're only covering one example for time's sake. There are so many more examples in the Bible and outside of the Bible and in the history of God's people. And I want us to take confidence in the fact that each of these breakthrough fasts in the Bible and even outside the Bible with historical revivals, each of these were enacted by real humans, <laughs> real people like you and me, Nate, <laughs> who had the same weaknesses and limitations that we have. These weren't superhero saints. These were real men, women, and even children who just really had a heart for God to save, protect, and bring victory to large amounts of people in their day. And I'm convinced, guys, I'm convinced if we possess this same heart 
I'm convinced that we will see similar results in our day. The example in the Bible is from Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. I don't know why we don't name our sons Jehoshaphat. He was a legend. <laughs> Maybe because it's a little bit of an awkward name. Sorry, Jehoshaphat and the cloud of witnesses. Jehoshaphat and possibly over 5 million people. Guys, 5 million people, God's people living in Judah, were facing sure annihilation in 2 Chronicles 20. Sure annihilation against three enemy armies, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. Judah and the 5 million plus inhabitants were outnumbered, out-resourced, and out of options. So what do they do? Instead of panicking or relying on their own strength, Jehoshaphat called for a national fast, a corporate fast for all of Judah, every man, woman, and child. This was a universal fast for breakthrough and victory against the impossible odds that were facing them in their day. What were the results of this corporate breakthrough fast? They were staggering. As the whole company of Judah stood, and let's go ahead and stand to our feet right now as even like a prophetic act of what they were doing. The whole company of Judah gathered together in one accord. It says they stood before the Lord with hungry bellies. They were standing before the Lord because they were fasting. What happened as they stood before the Lord? A seemingly random guy in the group. It could be you. (laughs) A seemingly random guy named Jehaziel received a startlingly clear prophetic download of a battle strategy from heaven. This was a battle strategy that was inspired by the fast. It positioned his heart to hear the Spirit of the Lord, giving them detailed battle strategy. Well, they obeyed this battle strategy, and the rest is history. Jehoshaphat got the wisdom from the Lord to send the worshipers out first. We, we probably remember that from the story, but it, it was preceded by a fast, a corporate fast. The worshipers were sent out first, and then a spirit of confusion came on the three enemy armies. The Lord sent ambushes in the spirit, angelic ambushes in the spirit against these three enemy armies. Moab and Ammon attacked Mount Seir, destroyed Mount Seir. And then Moab and Ammon, those two, turned on each other And before long, all three enemy armies were completely obliterated. All while Judah stood watching and worshiping. Like we're doing right now. (laughs) We're about to worship. Judah won the battle without having to shoot one physical arrow. But they sure did shoot millions of spiritual arrows through the prayers that were prayed during that national fast just days before by every man, woman, and child. These spiritual arrows provided the supernatural victory and preservation of life for a whole nation. Imagine these implications for our day. Possibly five million plus people rescued and saved. By what? By skipping meals and God answering their prayers when they were skipping meals. Five million people preserved by everyone buying in. Everyone buying into the fast. This is what breakthrough fasting can do. It can flip impossible odds in favor of the people of God to bring about miraculous victories in every arena of society. And as we've seen from this one example, breakthrough fasting and prayer has the ability Overall, to drastically shift the spiritual atmosphere and climate of our regions. 
Angels are dispatched in higher quantity and frequency. And demons are conquered and cast out with greater effectiveness when we fast for God's purposes and God's heart to be released in mass on the regions that God invites us to contend for. So overall, breakthrough fasting thrusts us onto the front lines of what God is doing in the earth in our generation. Breakthrough fasting is the doorway into a life of eternal greatness and massive impact in God's eyes. So how are we gonna respond this morning as a family? We've looked at how we can practically serve and bless and please the heart of God through this spiritual discipline of fasting. We've looked at the great power and benefits that come from the three main fasting approaches. We've seen how the bridegroom fast blesses Jesus' own heart as we draw nearer to him in love and intimacy. We've seen how the belief fast infuses us with faith and confidence and power to rise above our own sin and in turn help others get healed and delivered more often. And we just saw what the breakthrough fast can do. Here's our family corporate response. I'm standing up here as a Jehoshaphat, calling you guys. Really, the Lord is calling me through you guys. This is the Lord's message. This isn't my message. This is the Lord inviting you into something. I want to simply but strongly and firmly invite everyone in the room and everyone listening and watching online who might be listening to this later, I want to invite everyone into this lifestyle of fasting. I want to invite us all into a regular weekly rhythm. Regular weekly rhythm. Say that 10 times fast. A regular weekly rhythm of fasting that incorporates all three of these biblically prescribed motivations. I want us all in this room and watching online, in this corporate spiritual family, I want us all to have set fast days or maybe just set individual meals. You might start at one meal a week that we choose to give up. Here's the simple action step. Ask the Lord for a weekly fasting schedule. Ask the Lord, which days do I skip meals on and which meals do I skip? He has a specific fasting schedule in his heart for your life for this season. The Lord gave me one in a dream at the end of 2019 where it was written on a whiteboard, my fasting schedule. And I wasn't very consistent with it. I should have been, but I got convicted this summer. You need to start that back up. God gave you a blueprint for fasting for your life. For me, it's Tuesdays and Fridays. I skip breakfast and lunch on Tuesdays and Fridays. That's just four meals a week, but the results are incredible. They're all the results I just talked about this morning. So that's the challenge. Seek the Lord for this. Ask for a dream or just ask for a whisper of which days or which meals to skip. Now, once the Lord has spoken to you about meals or days of the week to fast, I encourage you to text me that information. Text me that information so I can make a list of all who we have fasting here in our community. Of course, this list is not to boast. There's no confidence in our flesh. There's no confidence in our works. This is not to boast. This list is for accountability and prayer and support from the pastors and the whole church. And you're probably not gonna fast perfectly. I don't think anyone ever has except Jesus. <laughs> so give yourself grace when you blow it on a Tuesday. Give yourself grace. My number will be up on the screen. 
512-538-4099. Text me what the Lord speaks to you. And for all who sign up to fast, I will send out a specific fast resource that the Lord downloaded to me this week. He downloaded to me a 2020-20 fast resource. First 20 minutes, we focus on the bridegroom, just growing in intimacy. Second 20 minutes, we focus on building belief and confidence in our heart. In the last 20 minutes of that hour of prayer, we focus on contending for regional breakthrough for whatever region God has put on our heart. But it's gonna have more verses and encouragements throughout it. So I'll send you that if you text me in what the Lord speaks to you. So to officially close my message and then I'll have my dad come up and lead us in ministry time after I pray, I'm gonna pray for the grace for fasting for myself. There is a grace from heaven to fast. I'm gonna pray for the very grace that Jesus had to fast. He fasted 40 days, no food in the desert. 40 days, no food. I'm gonna pray, maybe not that you go on a 40 day, no food fast, but I'm gonna pray for that same grace that Jesus had, that maybe he might invite some of you guys into a 40 day at one point, but start small and give yourself grace. So I'm gonna pray for that grace, the grace from heaven to fast and encounter the heart of the bridegroom for watching faith and confidence to rise and to see regional breakthrough. So just open up your hands. Dad, you can come up with the mic. Father, we thank you that this was your idea Father, we thank you for sending Jesus with these practical instructions for how to feel him more, for how to encounter him closer through this gift of fasting. So Father, I pray that you would give this good gift. You only give good gifts, Father. So I pray that you would give this good gift of a grace for weekly consistent fasting to this church community, this family. God, I bless your family. I thank you that there is a yes in every single heart in this room. I feel like the Lord just spoke that to me. There is a yes in every heart in this room. Even if you have a yes to some sort of fasting, I just wanna invite you to raise your hand right now. If you have a yes in your heart, let's say for medically you can't not eat, just give up something. Give up a certain food that you really like for a day or two. You can, everyone can do it. There's a full yes in this room, the Lord says, because the Lord has put it there, not me. The Lord has put it there. He wanted you to fast before you were born. Not as a baby, of course, but <laughs> you get it. So God, I just thank you for the big, massive yes in this room. And I thank you, you're putting your stamp on this yes, the stamp of extreme grace, extreme ability to fast with confidence, to fast for breakthrough to fast for intimacy in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you guys. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.